Hello and welcome to our next episode of Fun with Procurement. We put the cool back into procurement and as I said before, I don't think it ever left. This episode is how to spice up your specifications. I'm your host, Emma Edwards from the marketing department of 2x2 and this episode is sponsored by our friends over at Freedom Media who are making this podcast possible. Our speakers today are self-confessed procurement geeks Rob Kissek, CEO and founder of 2x2, and Nathan Swinney, head of category. Hello. Hi. Hi, Emma. So this episode, how to spice up your specifications. At the end of this episode, you'll know how to get your specifications right and make sure nothing is left out and understanding the risks. Rob, Nathan, we're going to start with a very important question today. Do the players or a coach make it a winning team? And I think there's some small football tournament going on at the moment. So maybe you could apply it to that. Rob? Uh, yeah, I think it's a good, really good question. Hi, hi Emma. Good to, good to be with you again. I think for me, it's probably a mix of both. As the as the CEO of, of Two by Two, I think I definitely, definitely require a fantastic team around me um, for us to be able to do the things that we do. Um, likewise, I coach a football team uh, under 14s football team for uh, for I was going to say in my for for pleasure I'm not sure if it's a pleasure not sure if it's a pleasure for them either but um definitely I would say there it's uh, it's a mix of of both the players and the coach and uh, when we win uh, we win together when we lose we lose together and uh, when we draw well we uh, we sit back and think well at least we didn't lose <laughs> coming from we we had a season once where we lost uh, 15 out of 16 games in our first season together and we've come a bit of a long way so then and uh, I definitely think that's down to the players brilliant thank you Nathan well Emma uh, given that uh, Rob is is on the call and and Rob is my CEO I'm, I'm going to uh, offer the answer that it's all about the coach um, it, it all depends on the coach the entire success of the team is all down to the coach so if we fail it's the coach's fault. Uh, it's nothing to do with the players at all. Brilliant. If he wasn't Thank on the you. call, I'd say it was all about the players. <laughs> and doesn't matter when he watches the recording later. <laughs> okay, let's dive right into our topic. So spicing up your specifications, obviously, is all about procurement. And um, the I've heard you talk a lot about the five rights of procurement. So could you actually explain what they are before we um, go any further? Nathan, I know this is one of your favourites. Could you start? Oh, I do love the five rights, uh, Emma. And, and actually, did you know there's actually seven? So officially, uh, for, for many years, people thought there were just five rights of procurement, but there is actually seven. But we'll go. We'll start with the five rights, shall we? So we've got right price. Right quality, right quantity, right time, and right place. And basically, the premise of those five rights is that if you've addressed in your procurement, in your specification, each of those uh, rights, as it were, that you've addressed, that you, you know what the product quality is, you know what budget you've got to play with, you know what quantity you want, you want you know what the right time of delivery is and, and where the place is, then theoretically that should address quite a number of the risks 
around specifications. Uh, one thing I will add, Emma, as well, is what is a specification? Because that terminology is, is often associated with, with procurement terminology. Well, a specification is simply a description of, of what it is you're seeking to buy. And it can be quite prescriptive or it can be quite open, but it's, it's a shopping list effectively. So your five rights uh, should be a checklist that you use to check whether your specification has addressed those five rights. Uh, the other uh, two rights to make up seven potentially is right source and right service. So uh, a lot of procurement these days is, is um, associated with how we source things. Where, where do things come from? We think about social value, carbon consumption, the environment. So uh, procurement professionals are now looking at wh where is the right source for our goods and services, not just in terms of quality, time, price, you know, and, and quantity and those uh, important factors. And then right service is actually the, the more softer side of things, which is, you know, actually, is it delivering? Is it doing what it said? You know, is, is the service uh, correct? So all of these things are really useful checkpoints for your specification. And one of the best, most simplest pieces of advice with procurement is if you've got those procurement, uh, th those five rights within your procurement, your specification, then you won't go too far wrong. So it's always good to check and, and benchmark your, your specification against those five rights. Brilliant. Thanks, Nathan. Uh, obviously, Nathan summed it up there, but do you uh, want to add anything about the five rights, Rob? Yeah, I, th I think one of the um, one of the key aspects when you come into the five rights is, is the level of detail that you need to go into with the specification. And if you use a really simple example of, of a pen, um, so if you want to procure a pen, you can use, you, know, you say, well, I, I want a pen. That's that's your specification. Well, you know, then you start to ask, okay, well, what color pen do you want to have? Well, is it blue or red or black or, or green? What's it made of? Is it made of plastic? Is it made of metal? You know, how heavy is it? Is the weight of it important? Is the length, the amount of ink that it contains important? The classic requirement around specification, there's the, the classic example with pens is um, NASA spent millions and millions of pounds developing a pen um, that you can use in space. And I think when they got up to the kind of International Space Station or whatever, they were there with their kind of million pounds of investment into a pen that they could write on the Russians were there with a pencil and you know it's about what's the right specification actually a pencil works perfectly fine in space and so you can spend an awful lot of time thinking and over specifying things that actually it may be actually you can look at something slightly differently and, and get a better result or the, the same or a better result so looking at applying those five rights is really important and making sure you've got that right level and depth of specification when you're coming to procurement is, is, is absolutely important it's absolutely critical i think yeah it's, it's worth spending the time emma and i think that that's the important lesson from this and we talked about in previous podcasts about time being the enemy of procurement in in, in relation to the lack of time yeah. and one of the best pieces of advice that we give and and often the shortfall in a lot of clients that we work with is they don't leave enough time to properly consider their specification so one one of the key key things is to make sure that you've you've properly thought it through looking at previous contracts what's worked well what hasn't did you address the five rights have you looked at what are the key risks that could go wrong with that contract and it could be everything from yet yeah, a purchase of a, a new photocopier right through to you know an outsourced uh, hr and payroll service you know the the risks are going to be different depending on what you buy but i think it's really important that you spend time 
going through that specification. And then you don't do that specification in isolation. You should consult with stakeholders, with relevant people within your organization who are the users, because often the person buying it, the person procuring it is, you know, isn't always the end user. And therefore, you know, it's important that you speak to the people that are actually needing the product or service. And in some cases, then also talking to the market up front, talking to potential suppliers, not assuming that we know as buyers what it is that we're trying to buy, because we could lose out on something really innovative or, as Rob mentioned, something really simple, just as a pencil that could have saved a whole lot of time, effort and cost. So time is is a really important factor when it comes to uh, writing those specifications. But yeah, the five rights, you can't go wrong with the five rights. I like that little strap line. <laughs> you can't go wrong with the five rights. Brilliant. Um, you mentioned risk. How would you address risk in the, this process and mitigate them as well? Oh. Yeah, I I think one of the one of the points Nathan made then around the around um, engaging different stakeholders. I think when it when you're thinking about procurement, everybody has a different view of what they want the outcome to be. Quite often, and it's about creating, looking at different people's, or looking through, trying to trying to understand when you're building a specification the lens that different people are viewing the solution through and the kind of the end goal. So. Everything with procurement starts with with your need. So what what's your need? And to do that, you need to understand you know, your need effectively is what's the end goal? What are you trying to achieve at the end of this process? And if you if you've got that clear, then it's much easier to build that specification. But that need is built up of different people's lenses of of what they think the need is. So if you talk to you know if, if IT systems are a classic example, is when you're trying to implement a new IT system, your operations team might have a lens that they're looking through for what they need. Your finance team will have a lens that they're looking through for what they want from a new IT system. Your procurement guys will have a lens that they of what they want. Your sales team will have a lens that they're looking for it. And it's how do you create that overlap of what those, the, the, what, of the different lenses that then gives you, right, these are the essential things that this new IT system needs to have. These are the things that you'd like it to have. And these are the things that, well, they'd be, you know, the bells and whistles on the side of it, if, if you could really get that. So I think when you're developing your specification, it's very much about identifying your essentials, your needs, your, your like to haves, and your and your well. These are kind of you know, right down the bottom. But if if it did that, that would be wonderful. But we but we're not going to. That's not going to be core, because quite often those things that aren't necessarily essential, you know, you get somebody who shouts loudest gets that onto the specification, and suddenly the price goes up by twenty percent as a result of that. So it, it's really getting those those lenses right. And I think that's a, a critical risk is that if you don't get those different lenses, those different views right at the start in building that specification, then the risk of the whole thing unraveling or, or not delivering what you as an organization wanted to can can really fall apart. Yes, yeah, definitely. Depends on the on the on the category, Emma, I guess, in terms of what it is you're actually purchasing. So something simple like, you know, buying a ream of paper, naturally the risks around that you know, with the five right, uh, are going to be a much, much less than if you are, you know, purchasing grounds maintenance services or, I don't know, uh, fire safety um, checks or, or pap testing, you know, the, there's lots of different emphasis that you place. And I think the important rule with, with specifications is you can't apply one specification that fits all categories. There are certain core things around the five rights, absolutely. And those 
those do apply to, to a lot of categories, but the, the context is all important and the risks for each of those contexts is really important as well. So things like outsource services, uh, particularly uh, with things like, as I mentioned, grounds maintenance, health and safety is going to be a huge risk around that with, with yeah. you know, a, a tractor and a flail mower driving around the school field, you know. So, so it's important that the specification, you know, is really thought through and using the five rights, you look at what are the key risks. And one of the things that we help a lot of clients and, and, and customers with is, is something we call the procurement risk matrix, which is a very straightforward document. What, but what it does is it allows an, a, a buyer to understand across a whole menu of different risks, what are the core risks for this particular procurement and where have we addressed those in the spec? It's a checklist, basically, firstly, to flag up what is a key risk. And then secondly, to flag up where in the specification have we addressed that risk or in the contract terms or as part of the supplier evaluation? So, so I think it's, it's important to say it's not a hard and fast, you know, one size fits all rule. Each category is important and you really need to start that procurement thought process afresh for each contract, each category that you're procuring. And, and obviously you'll know which inherently are the most important categories to your organization and, and where to put your time. Brilliant. Thank you both. We know how important KPIs and SLAs are uh, within the specification process. Can you just talk us through those and actually explain what the difference is between the two things? Sure. Well, a, an SLA is, is what you agree uh, with the supplier for, for them to do. So it's a service level agreement and basically it is a, a specification of, of what exactly it is you're expecting from your supplier and there'll be specific service levels in there and and those can be associated as mentioned with the five rights as, as we say a kpi is what you measure um so key performance indicators is what you measure the performance of that supplier on as to whether they've delivered against that service level agreement or not and both of these tools uh, can be included within a specification so the supplier is absolutely crystal clear what service levels you're expecting and they are absolutely crystal clear on what they're going to be measured against and to be held accountable for and and having both of those into a specification and we, we, they don't have to be hugely complicated you know we often say you know four or five uh, good kpis are better than a whole schedule of 20 plus because again you've got to consider how much time effort and cost it's going to be to to gather the data to check whether they're performing against those and to manage and monitor those but having something in the specification around that is really important so that both parties know that within the specification it's absolutely unambiguous as to as to what what is being requested and what is being managed and monitored. Yeah, I agree. And I, th I think one of the one of the ways in which KPIs and uh, key performance indicators and service level agreements can help, particularly key performance indicators within a contract, is they can allow, they, they enable the supplier to understand where you're focusing your priorities in terms of where you, what you want them to focus on in terms of delivery of, of a contract. If you, if you over KPI a contract, you know, if your key performance indicators on everything in a contract, the supplier's sitting there going, well, what is the priority? What's, what's really what you want me to deliver in this? 
So KPIs do help to shape the, the kind of the focus of a supplier, I think, um, quite well. I think where the big thing for me with KPIs is they also enable you to be able to see where a contract is going wrong. So it's very rare mm. if you've got a contract and somebody's delivering service over a period of you know months or years, it's very rare that something suddenly just drops completely and kind of falls off a cliff. If they're delivering a service and suddenly it disappears, that is something major has gone wrong there. And there's probably something that's more you know, broader issues within the kind of that supplies ecosystem of the, you know, how that supplier exists and you know, their financial position or whatever that might be. I think with KPIs, they just enable you to be able to say, hang on, that's not quite worked this month. Why is that? And it enables you to nip problems in the bud quite quickly rather than them mm. kind of evolving. And certainly from a procurement perspective, quite often the, it, that's where you add value and you add support in that ongoing contract management piece for whoever the end, you know, your, your internal stakeholders, your internal customer, they're not necessarily seeing every delivery and they're not seeing that every fifth delivery, there's something wrong with the product. There's an issue with the product. They're just seeing that, you know, the next one's coming today and the next one's coming in next week and the next one coming in. So your ability to be able to stand back a little bit as a, as, a, as the procurement person and look at how that, that contract is performing overall in terms of what you're looking to achieve. That's where your KPIs are absolutely essential, where your service level agreements are absolutely essential, I think. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Thank you for that. And um, what is the difference between an input specification and outcome-based specification, Nathan? Oh, this is one of my favourite topics, I have to say, <laughs> and uh, something which I'm quite passionate about, Emma, uh, if, if you can say that and with procurement in the same sentence. So input specification is prescriptive. So I would like to think that listeners, when they do their grocery shopping, have a shopping list. And, uh, that That's a great way of not being sort of tempted by aisle end offers of things that you don't really need but think oh actually yes i'll just have one two three of those because a, a shopping list uh, by its nature is an input specification it's an exact list of what you're requiring you've determined the level of quality you've determined the quantity you've said exactly what it is that you require and there's no ambiguity. It is absolutely unequivocal as to what, what information is on that list. And so a specification is very, very clear and precise. So that when you come to uh, seek quotations and, and uh, award a contract with a supplier, there is no sort of ambiguity as to what the expectations are. On the flip side is what we call the outcome-based specification. And this is where taking the grocery shopping example is where you say do you know what i fancy something nice for tea and i'll go to the shop to see what there is so the only thing on your specification for that is the words something nice for tea uh, you've not actually specified what it is you want in what quantity in terms of what ingredients you need you are looking for an outcome which is something nice for tea and so what can often happen there is that you 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 achieve that outcome and and obviously yeah you're not prescriptive going into that procurement process as to what exactly it is you want but you know what the outcome is so there are advantages and disadvantages for both clearly the input the shopping list you're going to get exactly what you ask for the key thing with that is being absolutely certain 
of what it is you are procuring. You, you are effectively placing yourself in the position of the expert. So you know that there is nothing better out there, you know, that that is exactly what you want and that will fulfill the job. So it comes with a high degree of confidence that you are uh, going to get what you ask for. An outcome-based spec basically puts more emphasis on the supplier. So when you go out on an outcome spec, you can say, this is what we want to achieve. We want, you know, we want a new catering service. We're not going to tell you what's on the menus. We're not going to tell you how to deliver it. We just want a really excellent catering service that will deliver nutritional meals and, and make everybody in the organization happy. So you leave it up to the supplier then to suggest service levels, to suggest specifications as to how they would meet that need. The advantage of that is it allows suppliers who often are the experts to innovate, to suggest brilliant ways of delivering a, a, a service which could be above and beyond what you uh, could envisage yourself as, as the buyer. The disadvantage is obviously that you may end up with something potentially that is over-spec or under-spec. So I think it's, it's, it's about getting the balance right. I think what you have to do with the specification is, is establish what are the core requirements, what are the core needs, particularly when you're using an outcome-based spec example. So determine what are the showstoppers, the really core things. It must deliver this. It must deliver that. But how you do that is entirely up to you. And in terms of evaluating uh, suppliers and quotes, the input spec, you can evaluate mostly on price because you've determined the quality You've said what exactly what it is you want, when you want it, the five rights exactly. So price is all important with that. When it comes to the outcome-based spec, it's more about evaluating quality, less about price. Although what I would recommend with an outcome-based spec is that one of the core requirements is you can put in a, a ceiling budget to say, whatever solution you come up with, uh, supplier, you know, this is our, our particular budget that we're working to. And then it allows the supplier some some room there to to determine exactly what it is they can deliver for that. So both are equally wonderful and both are, can be equally used. And there are certain categories they can be applied to that suit better. But certainly I think, and it goes back to the earlier point, spicing up your specifications, to do that you need time. And to look at which category, you know, is this a category where I think would be better with an input spec, a shopping list? You know, we don't want any room for issues or errors. Or actually, have we got time here to really talk to the market, do a really good procurement and look at, you know, what, what can the suppliers uh, provide to us? And a great example of that, Rob mentioned, is, you know, IT software systems. You know, it's a fast moving world out there. It's fast moving technology. You know, an outcome based spec is often the best route for that because you may be working on a specification that's five years out of date. So, you know, just some examples there, but that's the difference between an outcome and an input spec. And then obviously you can have a hybrid of that, which is your core requirements, which are input, and then desirable requirements, which are outcome based. Hopefully that explains. It does. I have learned a lot there. Thanks, Nathan. And I love the shopping list analogy. I just know every time I provide a outcome-based shopping list. I'm always disappointed, but uh, yeah, by the back. Indeed. <laughs> and never, 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 go, never go grocery shopping when you're hungry, Emma. That, that's, that's an outcome disaster waiting to happen point. because you'll invariably, yeah. invariably buy things that don't fit with, your, with, with, with the diet, you know, as, as, I, yes, as I have. Definitely, 100%. Often. Rob, do you have anything to add? <laughs> yeah, I think input and outcome. I think the point Nathan made at the end there around it's a spectrum. So actually, you've got your kind of pure input spec, 
where it's it almost becomes like a tick list. Can you do this? 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 And then what's the cost? And as Nathan said, very much then in the evaluation piece, you'll be looking at much more the cost because you know there's probably 20 or 30 suppliers that can all deliver that that product right through to where you're looking at much more innovative. Potentially there isn't a product in the marketplace or it's a product which is emerging in the marketplace which might change over time. And there you're looking much more at outcome kind of focus specification. But I think there are there are opportunities to within that spectrum to kind of have various different stages within across that. So I used to um, used to procure armored cars, for example. And one of the things that in that when we were buying armored cars, you clearly there are some things you want to make sure are very, very input spec related, i.e. does it meet this particular criteria for armoring? You know, it does is the steel of a certain thickness, is it, you know, in terms of the communications within the within the the vehicle, are they the right types of communications that you need? Are they going to work within an armored car? You know, so there are certainly some clear things there that are input related. But then actually there are other things which are outcome, more outcome focused around kind of the way in which the armor is applied, the way in which the the actual seal is put within the, the actual vehicle, the, the process they use for armoring that can be much more outcome focused. So I think there there is a, a blend and a mix there that sometimes with some certain products and services you want to you want to have that mm-hmm. blend. So I would say input can be really, really valuable. Outcome base can be really, really valuable. Um, and I think it's about understanding sometimes where the two lie and where the value is of both. And sometimes that it, it sits in the middle of that. But yeah, I think uh, you know, it was a good explanation by Nathan of, of the two, I think. There. Yeah, <laughs> brilliant. Yeah, but from both of you, thank you so much. And thanks for joining us today for giving that very interesting insight on um, getting your specifications right first time starting with the five rights, obviously, and ensuring the KPIs and SLAs are uh, included throughout the specification. It's clearly much to consider to get the best outcome for your business. We have some brilliant resources available to you, uh, free to download. If you go to our uh, 2x2.com podcast uh, webpage and you'll find out how to connect with our speakers there as well. Thanks again, uh, Rob and Nathan, for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and found it useful. Don't miss our next episode and please leave us a review. I've been your host, Emma Edwards. Thanks for joining us. See you next time.